and being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we come before you once again asking you to be here with us in this place. And we trust that you have kept your promise and are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So this morning is the eighth day of Christmas. We celebrate the Feast of the Holy Name, Jesus' circumcision on the eighth day and his official naming. As Jesus, of course, this is uh, perhaps a uniquely Anglican or liturgical or perhaps just right-thinking Christians everywhere are still in the midst of Christmas season. As we know, the 12 days of Christmas come after Christmas, not before we are on the eighth day. So it is still in our world Christmas, although the world outside seems to have moved on right away. You know, I didn't, I wasn't even going to talk about New Year's resolutions or New Year's this morning. I didn't really think that people were still doing those. I mean, isn't the joke about how quickly you're going to fail to keep your resolutions more common than the making of the resolutions themselves? But then just in the car the other day, my kid said something and said, it could be one of your New Year's resolutions. And then sure enough, my social media timelines filled up over the last week with resolution-related content. Sure, the jokes are there about how quickly they're going to be broken, but there are also the ads for gym memberships, master classes in mindfulness, tutorials in manifesting, all the things that you can do to make yourself a new and better you. I got an email from my bank asking if I wanted to crush my financial goals for 2023. (laughs) So I guess this is a thing that's still happening. We once again find ourselves at January 1st on the threshold of a new year, encouraged to begin or perhaps for most of us to restart the process of becoming the person we could or should be instead of remaining the person we are. Once again, we can attempt to put the failures and shortcomings of the past behind us and see the future as full of potential. It seems that we are still trying to make ourselves new. It's funny, though, I was looking through some of my notes around New Year's, and I found a blog post that I had written in December of 2016, during which time, apparently, social media was in substantive agreement that that year, 2016, was the worst year ever. Apparently, our local PBS station right here in Louisville had a headline on their website that read, Goodbye and Good Riddance to 2016. Can you imagine? 2016, the worst year ever? Uh, 2020 would like a word, please. (laughs) 
And for some, 2021 or even 2022, I think that we probably make this claim every year. That year, the one that we just lived through was the worst. And we're going to do better this year. This is the year we can finally succeed. This is the year when we'll be able to accomplish the things we've so often failed to achieve in the past. We just need to make the right resolutions, whether as individuals or as a nation or whatever, and stick to them this time, and we can finally leave the worst year ever in the past. But this is not a sermon about New Year's resolutions. The new year and resolution making are just the opportunity that I'm taking this morning to talk about the good news, the good news, in fact, capital G, capital N, the good news from Almighty God made manifest in Jesus Christ. Because resolution making isn't just for New Year's, is it? We all do it all the time. And Christians, I bet, especially. I mean, how many times have you stood convicted in front of a mirror and said, never again? How many times have you closed your Bible, convicted, and said, from now on? We know that we are falling short of the life we are called by God to live, and so we become people of resolution, not just annually, or weekly, or even daily, maybe dozens of times a day, we resolve to pray more, to read more scripture, to be more charitable, to be more like Christ. And this kind of resolution making, and how humans often get in trouble with it, is perfectly illustrated by that scene in Jerry Maguire, in which Renee Zellweger is telling her sister that she's fallen in love with Tom Cruise. I know you know the scene I'm talking about, but I'll explain it anyway. What she says when she's telling her that she's in love is fascinating. I love him, she says, for the man he's trying to be. And I love him for the man he almost is. Notice that she doesn't love him for the person he is now. She loves him for the person he's trying to be, that he might one day become. She loves the man he's resolved to be. Now, this is so often how we think when we make resolutions, whether on New Year's Day, in front of the mirror, in front of our scriptures, or wherever we're doing it, we're saying to God, you might not be able to love who I am today. But you're going to love the person I turn out to be after I get my act together. We are sure that Almighty God is not like Renee Zellweger. It is crystal clear to us that he could never love the sinful person that we are, but we hope that he might come to love the person we are trying to be. The person that we almost are. The person that we might one day become. And so we look in the mirror, convicted, 
and say, never again. We read our Bibles, are convicted, and think from now on. And we decide to become the kind of people God could love. But hear me. That kind of resolution making is not good news. I can just envision St. Paul writing Galatians chapter 3 to all those resolution making Christians. Oh foolish people, he might say, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun with the Spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? Did you experience so many things in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? You see, resolutions, New Year's and otherwise, are often just a way for us to try to cross the gulf between the us that we are today and the us that we wish we were, the us that we are called to be, the vast chasm that exists between the sinner you are and the saint you are called to be. But, and here is The gospel that I promised you this sermon was really about. In Jesus Christ, you have already been given an eternal answer for the gulf that exists between the you that you are and the you that you ought to be. And we read about it in our reading from Philippians this morning. Though Jesus Christ was in the form of God, He did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Do you hear it? This is good news. Jesus crossed the gulf between who you should be and who you are, and he came from that side to this side. He did so to save you. Though he was God, he humbled himself, coming to us, which is what we celebrate at Christmas. And then he humbled himself Again, dying a criminal's death for the sins of the world, for your sins. St. Paul sums it up even more clearly in Romans 3 when he says that all have sinned, but that those same sinners are justified freely as a gift by the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In Christ who took your sin onto himself, you are made a saint outside of any resolution keeping on your part. 
the way we talk about resolutions, especially our Christian ones, often sounds like an attempt to, as Paul put it in Galatians 3, to finish in the flesh. The righteousness of God has been revealed apart from the law, Paul says in Romans 3.21, and yet we seem addicted, and New Year's is just an opportunity, we seem addicted at all times to making for ourselves a new law, the law of resolution. So my answer used to be, don't make them. Don't make resolutions. You'd be foolish, I argued, to choose to live under a law when you have been set free and justified in Christ. But I don't think that's quite right. It casts all resolutions as misguided, even inarguably good ones like prayer, Bible reading, charity, and other Christian disciplines. It's a misunderstanding of how the law works. I think that in truth... The proper Christian thing to do is to make disciplined resolutions, but to make them much, much harder. You see, the problem with your standard resolutions isn't that they're too hard for you to keep, although they usually are, hence all the jokes. The problem is that we think we've got a chance. And what we tend to do is lessen the holiness of God's law, obedience to which should be our true goal. We lessen the holiness of the law so that it seems achievable to us. We turn, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength into something like, love God when it doesn't impinge too much on what I want to do. We turn love your enemies into, well, we just kind of try to ignore that one, don't we? we? We do whatever we can to enable us to rely on ourselves, work up our wills, exert our effort, and give it our best shot. We think perhaps that by our striving, that gulf between the us we are and the us we ought to be might one day shrink enough that we can get across. With Jesus' help, of course, we're sure to shout, but our good efforts will play a part. But God's law will not be made less holy. It is the holiness that shone on Moses' face Whenever he came out of the tent, it was so holy that it was as though nothing else had any holiness at all. You must be perfect, Jesus preached in Matthew 5, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Be perfect. Now that's a good Christian resolution because it forces you to turn to Christ. When... John the Baptist is repeatedly questioned about his standing with regard to Jesus in John chapter 3. He finally says that Jesus must become greater and I must become less. In other words, John is teaching us that we should acknowledge the depth of our need for Christ rather than working to somehow decrease it. 
Our resolutions then should look less like a register of achievable goals and more like the demands of the Sermon on the Mount. A holy list of righteous requirements that will force us to our knees. Turn the other cheek. Have no lustful thoughts. Harbor no anger. We should know, looking at that chasm between our two selves, the self we are and the self that God calls us to be, we should know that should we attempt to jump that distance, we would surely be dashed to pieces on the rocks below. So this year, resolve to turn the other cheek every time. Resolve to love your enemies, even the ones who hurt you, repeatedly. Resolve to never have a lustful or angry thought, ever. Resolve to marinate in God's word, reading your Bible for all it's worth each and every day. If these resolutions are yours in 2023, you will end this year having cried out for the saving grace and mercy of Jesus Christ more than you did in 2022. And that's the point of good and true spiritual disciplines to show you your need and to keep you ever mindful of your Savior. But I promised you that this is not a sermon about New Year's resolutions or about whether or not to make New Year's resolutions. This is a sermon about the good news of Almighty God made manifest in His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, given the name that is above every name. Now, we would, in our humanity, attempt to tell ourselves that a good year is one in which we get closer to the other side of that divide between the us we are and the us we ought to be. A great year, we may even reach that far shore. But a truly good year, a year of the Lord's favor, is one in which you come face to face all the more with your need for a Savior. And here, all the more, The good news proclaimed, your Savior, Jesus Christ, has come. And he has come to save. And he has come to save you. Though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Your Savior, Jesus Christ's work, is complete. That's why God has given him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
Your Savior has come, and He has done His work. He shouted, it is finished from the cross, and He meant it. So follow Him closely. Read your Bible. Pray. Be charitable. Strive for purity and Christ-likeness. Resolve even to be the person God has called you to be. But resolve to fall on your knees at the foot of the cross. Resolve to confess your sin. Resolve to receive absolution. Resolve to feast on his body and blood broken and shed for you. Resolve to celebrate Christ's finished work and his right standing before a holy God given to you for free. Resolve to know before and above all else that every good and perfect gift is from above. That anything you have or do is yours by God's free gift in Christ Jesus. Not by your work, but by his grace and mercy. He, and only he, has brought you out of error into truth, out of sin into righteousness, out of death into life. In Christ, you do not merely celebrate a new year. You celebrate a new life given in his name and by his finished work. Amen.